0: Are kicking off episode 498 of Monster Kid Radio with a version of the theme song from the Munsters. This cover of the Munsters theme comes to us from the Graveyard Rockers. It comes from their album Gravest Hits. It came out in September. They gave us the okay to play their music here on the show. So we're going to highlight that. I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes so you can pick it up for yourself when you're done listening to this episode of the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear my name is Derek Kim Cook welcome to the show now there will be another version of the monster scene played later on in the show and I'll tell you about that when it comes up if you can't tell we're talking about the monsters this time around and specifically we're gonna be talking about a movie featuring the monsters the first time they were on the big screen was it the only time they were on the big screen everything else was tv movies I think monster go home is the movie that we're talking about and when I say we I mean we because it's not just me I'm joined by not one but two fellow podcasters, podcasters that have been in the podcasting game for quite some time. I'm talking about Joe Stuber from Comic Book Central and our guy, Scott Morris from Disney Indiana. The three of us finally got together and talked about this really fun movie, but I don't want to play my hand too early. You're going to have to stick around to hear what we thought about Munster Go Home. Now, of course, Munster Go Home was covered in Famous Monsters of Filmland. And he's going to tell us a little bit about that during the Look at Famous Monsters of Filmland segment. And then, Mark Matsky's here because I can't go a week now without getting some Ultra Kaiju excitement. He's got his Beta Capsule review. He is still telling us about Ultra Q episodes, and the one that he talks about this week is actually one of my favorites. So, you're going to hear that as well, plus some listener feedback. So, I'm going to go ahead and fire up the monsters in the machine to get them ready to read those emails right after this.
1: I'm not afraid to
2: Hey, comic book fans, I'm Joe Stuber, producer and host of Comic Book Central, where each and every week I welcome a legendary talent to the Comic Book Central lair to talk about bringing comic books to life.
3: Greetings, True Believers. This is
2: Stan Lee. When do you think the Academy is going to wise up and create a special Oscar category for Best Cameo?
3: I don't know. They're just asleep on their feet. Maybe your show, maybe this interview will be the turning point.
4: Hi, this is Jamie Alexander, the Asgardian warrior Sif from Thor. I went to Marvel. They said, hey, sit down, we want to talk to you about this part. So what happened was I had a knife in my purse. I set the purse on the chair and it fell off, and the knife fell out, and then they were like, oh, God, you really are Lady (laughs) Sif.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the one, the only, William Shatner. There's all these rumors out there that you're going to be in the next Star Trek film.
5: Well, I'd like to be in it. You know, I don't want to be a gratuitous
6: character, <laughs> like scrubbing the,
5: uh, the windows on the Enterprise like... or something. There's a guy on the wing. Chris Pine. <laughs> there's a guy. On the wing. Chris Pine says there's a guy on the wing.
2: <laughs> Catch the very latest episodes at the website comicbookcentral.net. Subscribe to the show on iTunes. Like it on Facebook. Follow it on Twitter. And be sure to join me each and every week for Comic Book Central. This is John Reese Davis.
7: Hi, everyone. This is Sandra Glau. Hi, this is Trisha Helfer, number six from Battlestar Galactica.
6: Hey, this is Dean Kane, Superman from Lois and Clark, and you're listening to Comic Book Central, where comic
3: books come to life. Excelsior.
4: C-3PO, Loki, Mace Windu,
8: Dr. Bruce Banner,
4: Captain Rex, Venom, Princess Leia, Jean Grey, Darth Maul, Nick Fury, Grand Moff Tarkin, Captain America, Lando Calrissian, Cyclops. What do all these characters have in common? Well, two of them were played by Samuel L. Jackson. A
8: couple of them were played by Hammer Films veterans Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee.
4: Come on guys, you know this. Well, of course we do, Jessica. Just like Mickey Mouse and Captain Jack Sparrow, they're all now Disney characters. Hello, I'm Tracy of the Disney Indiana Podcast, and my co-host Scott and I enjoy talking about all aspects of the House of Mouse, and that includes their newest properties, Marvel and LucasArts.
8: We also talk about Disney resorts, the cruise line, theme parks, and whatever else Mickey has to offer
4: which includes movies, imagineering, video games, and collectibles. You'll never know what we'll decide to talk about.
8: So check us out at www.disneyindiana.com or do a search for the Disney Indiana Podcast on iTunes, because now we've got a lot more to talk about.
4: And don't forget about those other quote-unquote Disney characters like, well, Sully.
8: Fozzie Bear.
4: Buzz Lightyear.
8: Link Hogthrob. Doug. Doug. Janice,
4: Merida, Pepe, Bruce, Bruce,
8: Ralph the dog, Wally, Dr. the Disney Bunsen, Indiana Pony
4: podcast. Syndrome. Even after five years, we are still miles away from the nearest Main Street, USA. We are not listed on the map, but you can join us at www.disneyindiana.com.
5: In the diabolical minds of the madman of Mandoras was created the most incredible plot ever conceived: to conquer the world. Why did you bring us here, really? In a matter of hours, we will begin the conquest of the world. Phil Day, undercover agent, trapped in the trap he set for the madman of Mandoras. <laughs> Professor Coleman, American scientist, believed his staggering discovery to be a secret. Up to now, Anthropine was the only known antidote. The loss or destruction of the formula for this antidote would mean complete annihilation of the world. But he did not reckon with a group of evil men, men who will permit nothing to stop their rule of the world. What unknown force has been created to conquer the world? And which of the madmen pushed the panic button? Somebody's got to get Vorak. I guess it's up to me, Casey.
7: Why am I
0: calling? Well, you're in the feedback discussion segment of the show, and I have an email that came in from friend of the show, Kevin Slick. Take it away, monsters in the machine. We really ought to give them a name, right? Hi,
6: Derek. I love the latest episode and can't wait to see that darkly surreal art house film, La Terror or Friant. Bravo to Dominique for recognizing the obvious hidden meanings inside bad B movies, or was that one a grade C or D? At least it wasn't Beast from Yucca Flats. That's usually my go to movie for worst film ever made. Thanks for an enjoyable show.
0: Kevin, I'm glad you liked the show. Now, I don't know if my machine, Monster, pronounced the name of the Creeping Terror in French correctly. So I went and I outsourced that. And I think we're going to get the pronunciation correct here.
9: La Terreur, Effrayant.
0: I think that's right. As discussed in previous episodes of Monster Kid Radio, I don't speak French outside of. <laughs> so. I don't know if that's right or not, but I would love to see a version of The Creeping Terror done with that kind of existentialist approach. And I did share your email with Dominique, so we'll see what happens. Thanks for writing in. I really appreciate it. Oh, and Beast from Yucca Flats? Yeah, um, that's a movie.
3: Coming to this theater soon, The Beast of Yucca Flats, one of the most exciting movies ever made.
6: See the beast of younger plants. Hi, Derek. This is Alan Trump out in St. Louis. Hope you're doing well today. Hey, I just wanted to give you a call because uh, the topic that you discussed with Eric Martin a couple of weeks ago about old-time radio shows, that's really a topic that's close to my heart. Uh, one reason is I still have the Archobler lights out. Drop Dead album with The Dark on it in my collection. And that was the talk of my high school, even even in the 1960s and 70s, was that thing. So I like that. And it also brings me closer, brings back members of my father who used to tell me about programs like The Hermit's Cave and The Whistler, which he really enjoyed. Uh, A couple other episodes I think people should check out that I've heard a lot about is Something from a program called Quiet Please called The Thing on the Forble Board and The Mysterious Traveler Behind the Locked Door. And I won't go into them too much except they're, they're pretty scary and they kind of involve Lovecraftian horrors that come up out of the earth seeking human males for affection. Uh, anyway, Mysterious Traveler was put together partially by Robert Arthur, who also wrote a lot of the Alfred Hitchcock collections like Monster Museum, or he edited them, Monster Museum and Haunted House Full and Ghostly Gallery. A really good book on this subject of uh, horror radio programs is Terror on the Air from McFarland by Richard J. Hand. So, hey, great program. Looking forward to listening to Burn, Wish, Burn. Wanted to wish all uh, you and all the MKR listeners a happy post-Halloween season. And take care. Hope everybody's staying healthy. Bye now.
0: Alan, it's great to hear from you, man. And I'm glad that you really enjoyed the old-time radio episode that we did a few weeks back. And I can't believe that I totally forgot about the thing on the 4 board. This was something that was recommended to me by might have been Scott Glancy, uh, the man behind the Delta Green role-playing game at a previous Lovecraft Film Festival, as something that I need to check out and listen to. And yeah, it is incredibly creepy, and it hits all the Lovecraftian notes in just the right way. You're dealing with deep time, you're dealing with, well... It's only 23 minutes long, and if I tell you too much more about it, it's going to get spoiled. So what I'll do is I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes so you can go to quietplease.org and listen to the episode yourself. As far as the Mysterious Traveler show, the episode Behind the Locked Door, I'm not familiar with that, but just reading the description of that episode or that story that involves two archaeologists discovering a haunted mountainous cavern it sounds right up my alley, so I have to check that one out, too. And I did find that over at the Escape and Suspense website at escape-suspense.com. Again, link in the show notes. I tried to look up that book that you mentioned, Terror on the Air. I didn't find it right away. If it is through McFarland, there's a good chance that it's a little outside of my price range. But if I can find it, I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes to that as well in the form of an Amazon affiliate button. So you can click on that if people want to pick it up, and you can kind of help us out at the same time time alan thanks for giving me a heads up about that and thanks for reminding me about the thing on the four-ball board that episode is so good i think i need to listen to that here soon because it's been a while
9: hey Derek. hey group captain billy here uh you mentioned you were going to do the creeping terror uh the the notorious public domain film i've been meaning to ask you for a long time what's the uh, best way to find out what movies are in the public domain uh, you mentioned contacting the copyright office. I don't even know how you would jump through those hoops. I was just always curious about, you know, how you can legally make sure a movie's legal to show and do whatever you want with or, you know, I was, the hoops you have to jump through or whatever. If you know someone who's an expert on copyright, because I have no clue, if you know someone who knows something about copyright uh, laws, I would love to have a long discussion, you two sitting and talking about, you know, what's legal and what's not and what's fair play, uh, fair game, fair play, I'm sure of the term, uh, fair use what fair use is, and all of that. I'd love to hear it talk about that. I've seen movies on archive.org that I could have swore were in copyright. In fact, I've seen comments where people said it was not a public domain movie, but it was still listed there. And I've seen movies where it was uh, hosted by a horror host, and they were posted. So I'm not sure if the content has to be significantly changed in order for it to be considered public domain, or the, maybe the part with the horror host is public domain, and somehow the movie. You know, I don't know how that rule works, though. So. I would love to hear an episode about that. I don't think that's boring. I think it's fascinating. So I vote for a copyright episode. Thanks, Derek. Good night.
0: Captain Billy, it's been a long time. I hope you're doing all right. So uh, public domain stuff. How do I determine whether or not something's in the public domain? So the easiest way is if it came out any time up to January 1st, 1925. That's the cutoff. So that typically means... Nearly all the silent films out there are going to be in the public domain as long as they came out before January 1st, 1925. Now, that will continue to advance every year moving forward unless there's another change to the copyright law. And what that means is that next year, the new cutoff date will be January 1st, 1926 and so on. So that's typically how that works. But a lot of times, a lot of movies, and television programs for that matter, as well as songs and poems and and everything else, will slip into the public domain because at first, the copyright laws were very specific about how things had to be registered and labeled and filed and all that. And if things weren't registered properly, they slipped immediately into the public domain. If something like a copyright symbol was left off of a title page or a title screen, in the case of Night of the Living Dead, it slipped right into the public domain. The copyright laws have changed significantly twice over the years, and there's been talk about it changing again. Not not a lot right now, but I have a feeling that as we get closer and closer to more Disney properties flipping into the public domain, just based on that 1925 or 26 or whatever year cutoff, there might be some pushes to change the law again. It's something that Congress and all that has to so do. It it's an actual law. It's not just kind of like a rule or a, a guideline. It's it's an actual law. As far as finding material on archive.org, you know, and even on YouTube or, or Daily Motion or Vimeo or any of these video sites, just because they're posted there doesn't mean it's in the public domain. I know that... There are some horror hosts that post some material out there and there's some other people that have uploaded things. If you dig deep enough, you're going to find things like Universal's Dracula or Frankenstein or a whole bunch of Hammer films online. Just because they're online doesn't mean they're in the public domain. It just means that the rights holders haven't cracked down on it yet. And a lot of times they don't even know. YouTube's a lot better about this because they have a bunch of built-in algorithms. Sometimes they're a little overprotective, but they have a lot of built-in algorithms to kind of protect against copyrighted material being uploaded and streamed. Archive.org, though, I don't think they have that kind of built-in system to where it gets checked against certain markers and flagged as not allowable there. So in that case... If you find something like, just to kind of go back to what I was saying earlier, Dracula, the Universal film, somebody from Universal would have to contact archive.org and file a DMCA takedown form. That stands for the Digital Millennium Copyright Act form. It's also very similar to what you would file at YouTube to have whoever's hosting that film or that video or that copyrighted material removed. Because of the way the laws are set up right now, Just because it's uploaded to YouTube or archive.org doesn't mean that they're responsible for violating the copyright. There's an implied trust between the uploader and the hoster that they have permission to upload that material. In fact, with YouTube, I know you have to click that you do own the material to begin with before you hit upload. I'm not sure if that's exactly the same with archive.org. I don't remember. It's been a while since I've used it for various podcasting things. And this even extends to, like, streaming and what I do on the weekends and on Tuesday at the Monster Kid Movie Club. I know there are some Twitch channels that do show copyrighted material, and that, again, I I just seems really iffy to me, and just, you're taking a risk, because if you get some of these bigger studios, and there is a pretty big studio involved behind a lot of the movies that are being shown, if you get their attention on this, it could cause a problem for not just that person, but... It could cause Twitch or any of these other streaming services to overreact the way YouTube sometimes does, and then it affects all of us. So, yeah, it's it's really kind of a mess, a quagmire, so to speak. I've never used the word quagmire in conversation on any podcast ever, but it really is kind of a quagmire and kind of a mess, but fascinating nonetheless. I don't know any copyright lawyers. I'm certainly not a lawyer. All I just said is all just kind of based on my own research. I don't know any lawyers that are into copyright this way or are aware of entertainment law or any of that. But if any of you guys and gals know anybody that might be interested in coming on the show and talking about it, I would love to talk about public domain, copyright, what that means versus what trademark means, because that's a completely different ball of wax. It would just be fascinating for me as well. So... I would love that show. Captain Billy would love that show. If there's anybody out there who can help make that show happen, please drop me a line and let me know. (laughs) Thanks for calling in, Captain Billy. I appreciate it. And yeah, I did get your voicemail about the episode 500, and we'll play that here in a couple of weeks.
7: You can call and leave a voicemail for Monster Kid Radio at 503-810-5MKR. That's 503-810-5657.
6: Or you can send an email to the podcast. MonsterKidRadio at gmail.com is the email address. That's monsterkidradio at gmail.com.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, you are about to see a very unusual trailer about a very unusual picture coming to this theater. This trailer is unusual because we aren't going to show you any scenes out of the picture, but we are going to tell you the truth. Arch Obler's new motion picture, The Bubble, is made in a revolutionary new process called Space Vision. And when you come here to see it, we promise you a brand new sensation. I'll repeat that. We promise you a brand new sensation. Why? Because for the first time in any theater, scenes in colorful living dimensions will actually float right off the screen into space and over your heads. That's what I said, over your heads. In addition, we believe the bubble is a very entertaining story about most unusual people in a situation you'll talk about for a long time to come. So here's your flat invitation to see Arch Obler's The Bubble when it premieres in this theater. It's revolutionary. It's exciting. It's newer than television. It's space vision. In all your life, you've never seen anything like it. That's a guarantee. You'll meet Deborah Wally, an exciting new young actor named Michael Cole, and Johnny Desmond in a great suspense picture. First the screen was silent, then it talked, then color. Now the greatest advance of them all, the picture floats off the screen. See motion picture history made in this theater in Arch Obler's exciting story, The Bubble. The picture floats off the screen.
10: A remote Pacific Island, where an expedition of world-famous scientists investigate incredible rumors of its fantastic mysteries and discover barren volcanic mountains surrounding strange green valleys, mammoth caves that breed giant mutations, vampire plants that devour humans, but most astounding of all, the tiniest women in all creation sacred beauties of a lost tribe which worships a monstrous creature. What is the secret of Mothra? What is the bizarre spell that awakens Mothra? As these doll-sized girls call to the super god from captivity. Mothra, whose revenge is more devastating than any man-made weapon. Mothra, who defies warplanes. Wrecks ocean liners. Smashes dams and bridges. Mothra, creating hurricanes. Mothra, enveloped in a shell that no human force can penetrate. indestructible all-powerful indescribable what kind of creature is this god monster mothra
0: Hey, before we play Mark Matzki's Beta Capsule Review, I just want to give him another shout-out. I know I've talked about it here on the show, and I've mentioned it in the show notes, but seriously, check out his Monster Study Group podcast. The most recent episode came out just before Halloween, and it features the return of Andy Matsky to the podosphere. Andy and Mark used to podcast a lot together. It was really cool to hear Andy kind of basically grow up on the podcast. And now he's podcasting with his dad again, at least in this episode. I don't know if it's going to be a permanent thing or if he's going to come back more often, but it was just great to hear the two of them together. So check them out. They're over at anchor.fm slash Mark matsky I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes, of course. Let's go ahead and get to his beta capsule review.
11: Live from the Land of Light in Nebula M78, home of the mighty Ultra Heroes, it's Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review. I saw a bird. That phrase, which serves as the title of the story, is spoken more than once in this, the 12th episode of Ultra Q, which premiered March 20th, 1966. The bird in question is Larugius, an interdimensional holdover from the prehistoric age. The mystery of its existence is first noted by policemen who discover a zookeeper near death with the nearby animal cages torn open. The zookeeper, clutching a handful of feathers, utters, I saw a bird before expiring. At the same time, a 10th century Viking ship abruptly appears in the bay of a fishing village June, Ipe and Yuriko board the vessel along with a number of concerned officials and are greeted by a small white bird, whose appearance coincides with the self-destruction of the ship. The trio makes it out alive with the ship's logbook, and Dr. Ichinotani helps them translate the last entry, which reads, I saw a bird. Together, they identify the bird seen on board the ship as Larugius, but there's a catch. The prehistoric bird typically had a 40-meter wingspan, while the one on the ship was no larger than a sparrow. Meanwhile, an orphan boy named Saburo adopts the white bird as a pet and plays with it all day. When the villagers' chickens disappear overnight, Saburo is blamed, and his avian friend comes to his defense. Larugius is caged and thrown in jail, which sets the stage for a really big surprise. I Saw a Bird is packed with striking special effects, both old and new. This is the second episode to recycle footage from Rodan, but the shots do serve the story well. The highlight for Ultraman fans is the introduction of a young Akihide Tsuzawa, who plays the orphan Saburo. Tsuzawa would go on to portray Hoshino in Ultraman, the youngest member of the Science Patrol. In the English dub, it's implied that Hoshino is Akiko Fuji's younger brother, and of course, Fuji was played by Hiroko Sakurai, who is Yuriko here, in Ultra Q. For Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review, this is Mark Matske reporting.
5: It's the Ghost and Mr. Chicken Starring three-time Emmy Award winner Don Knotts As the world's bravest coward I have been called brave Now let me clarify this As you see, I'm a lion with girls A tiger with men (laughs) And I'm just naturally at home in a haunted house (laughs) So what's brave? How should I know? A chicken Mr. Chicken to you In this motion picture, he starts as a roving reporter. Now he's a raving reporter trying to solve a murder mystery in a house of terror. And he'll scare you silly. Don Knotts in The Ghost and Mr.
3: Chicken in Technicolor. And you're chicken if you miss this movie. Discover Planet of the Apes. A civilization where humans run wild in the jungles. And the superior beings are apes tribunal has placed you in my custody for final disposition. Do you realize what that means? No. Emasculation to begin with. Then experimental surgery on the speech centers, on the brain. Then a kind of living death.
5: sweeps London from end to end. Even Scotland Yard is baffled. But two men of intrepid daring fight back. It's Abbott and Costello at their hilarious best. Battling fiction's most fearsome themes in Bud Abbott and Lou Costello meet Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Co-starring Boris Karloff as Robert Louis Stevenson's fabulous Double Demon.
3: Mr. Hyde
5: will kill him. Mr. Hyde will kill him. With Helen Wesson... Craig Stevens, and Reginald Denny. Hey,
1: stop this, Mike, this
9: lady's
5: treasure. Bud and Lou are tearing up the town, trapping the beast among a bevy of beauties, adding turmoil to terror in a house of horrors that would frighten even Frankenstein. Come
1: on, will you? we can catch your monster. Give me a hand.
12: Hello there, Radio Radioheads! This is Kenny with a look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. Today's film, Monster Go Home, was previewed in issue 41 from November of 1966. A Go-Go's Werewolf from Return of the Vampire Welcome you to this issue, which also included looks at Curse of the Mummy's Tomb, The Black Zoo, and Werewolf of London. Our feature film merited six pages and was loaded with 11 large pictures. Its short text consisted of a brief synopsis, starting with the Munster's ocean voyage and ending with this not quite a spoiler. Highlight of the film is reached when Herman is talked into racing Marilyn's boyfriend Roger in an annual auto-speed contest. On race day, Lily and Grandpa are overpowered and imprisoned in the dungeon, where they are guarded by Terry Thomas. The griffin knocks Roger out in the garage and ties him up. Then the griffin takes Roger's place and goes after Herman in the race. Who wins the race? Do Lily and Grandpa escape from the dungeon? Who is the griffin? John Carradine? You guessed wrong. For the answers to these amazing and amusing questions, follow your ears to where the laughs and shrieks are, the theater where Munster Go Home is slaying, er, playing. That is all for this week's look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. We will have more next week. For MKR, this is Kenny saying adios.
0: A nice, short and sweet entry at Famous Monsters of Filmland about Munster Go Home. I love it. Kenny, thanks for sending that in. As always. You nailed it. The song that we played underneath Kenny, the backing track, that was the other version of the Munsters theme that we're playing this week. It comes from the band Los Pretones. They're based out of Peru. This song is available over at greencookierecords.bandcamp.com. Of course, there will be a link in the show notes. They gave us permission to play their song here on the show. I hope you enjoyed it. Kenny, thanks again. Let's go ahead and get into the conversation with Joe Stuber and Scott Morris about the movie. This is Count Dracula, and I'm here to offer you a friendly warning. Derek and his guests often get excited, and occasionally this results in revealing key plot points of the movies they're discussing. You know how the children of the night, ah, I mean monster kids, can get sometimes. So consider yourself warned. And don't come begging to me to kill them for their transgressions afterward. I have more pressing issues to take care of, like that pesky von Helsing. Listeners, if you heard the conversation we had just before I hit record, you'd expect a very different kind of conversation that you're about to hear right now with two of my favorite fellow podcasters, Scott Morris from Disney Indiana and Joe Stuber from Comic Book Central. Welcome to Monster Kid Radio, gang. Th- that means you talk now. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I, Scott and I, we, I know Scott and I weren't sure which one to jump in, but we're both so polite. I mean, that's, that's right. The, we're both so polite. We were like waiting for each other, and I waited. And then the part of me that hates awkward silences immediately had to jump in. So, Scott, I apologize for jumping in there, uh, but I can't stand awkward silences. So, I had to, um, boy, this is fun. I've been, I don't, we've not done this. This is, we've been other places and things, and obviously Monster Bash and stuff, but this is cool. Now we get to like, sit around and talk about a, a really cool movie, so glad to be with both of you.
8: I'm, I'm glad to be with both of you, too, and I'm also glad to return to MKR. I almost forgot that this podcast existed. It's been so long.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it,
2: uh, <laughs> you know, look, anything that approaches 500 episodes uh, is, is always going to be on the radar, so that's it makes me exhausted just even saying this. I don't know where this one's going to hit pre or post, but you're you're in like you know half a century land so <laughs> or half a thousand half a millennium land, I guess it would be, so man, good on you.
0: We're recording on Monday, and my hope is to have this ready to go out on Thursday, so this will be episode <laughs> four hundred ninety eight
2: so close. So close. <laughs> so close. You've, have you flipped around an episode that quickly before?
0: Mm, uh, about the same. Yeah, about the same. we I okay. put it on a Monday and then put it on Thursday, yeah.
2: It's tricky. I've done, I've actually done Day Of. Oof. Yeah, I think it was Brandon Routh. I think I did Day Of because I was trying to get it in before the Superman celebration in Metropolis, which is like two days from then. So I think I stayed up and flipped it around. <laughs> But I don't, I don't recommend that to anybody. Give yourself some time uh, to put things together. But uh, oh, this would be cool. This would be cool. So glad, glad to join both of you.
0: I'm counting on both of yours legacy and, and uh, professionalism as podcasters to make the editing of this whole thing a lot easier
2: on me. Right? <laughs> I think you lost me in professionalism.
0: Well, I don't know if that's going to be
8: much of an issue.
0: Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> Now this will be fun. I love chatting with uh, people who enjoy what they're talking about, and you know if this takes me all night to edit and I have to work on it all the way up <laughs> until hitting the send button on Thursday morning, so be it. Because I've been looking forward to this chat for a long time. Where do
2: you have the time? You're hosting movie marathons like daily or almost daily. <laughs> it's but thank you, and I I, I I say this before, but thank you for keeping us entertained during COVID time, like all the movies and my goodness, that's just that's pretty cool so and it's a lot of work and scott can tell you too like we were all podcasters and things so we all do this there's a lot of work that goes into these shows and and to put all these things together so again my hat's off to both of you gents just for continuing to crush it on both shows and and all the ancillary stuff
8: well you just hit a milestone yourself joe on your show
2: i was not fishing for that by any means at all but uh, (laughs) thank you i appreciate it
8: and cosmo wanted to be on the show too i don't know if you heard him (laughs)
2: <laughs> Anniversaries and big episodes all around. So um, I get look, you know. I guess when we've been doing that this long, and we have, it's been a while. It feels like a while,
0: doesn't it? I've been podcasting for over ten years now at this point. Kid Radio, a little over seven. Uh, and, and Joe, you started right around that, the time uh, MKR started, right? MKR, I think
2: you started in May, if I'm not mistaken, in November of 2013. Uh, for myself. And Scott, you've been going for how long for podcasting?
8: I started about six months after MOZ started.
2: Oh, wow. Not
8: MKR. Way back in the day.
2: <laughs> yeah, so there's some there's some legacy. There's some legacy shows out here. So, look again, you, know, you put that kind of content out, and it's just, uh, you know, I, I guess there's a sense of professionalism. Uh, we'll take that.
0: Okay. <laughs>
2: sure. Why not? <laughs> you talked us into it. I mean... Sure, and when you reach this point, the money's just rolling. Of course. In. Is that? <laughs> but we're not doing it for the money, Scott. We're not doing it for the money, right?
0: Oh, we're not. <laughs> Yeah, well, he, you've got those Mickey Mouse dollars behind you. That's
2: right. He's got the Disney cash. <laughs> I get paid in Mickey bars. He's got the Disney cash. He gets paid in Easy Pass. Oh, there you, you
8: go. get, you get like fast pass. Power fast there you go.
2: Pass. It tells you the last time I've been to Disney. That's <laughs> I'm not going anytime soon.
8: Yeah, me neither. I, I've had to cancel yeah. three trips. How does that?
2: Like, I know Disney people, right? Like, you're one of them. Uh, you know, Tracy obviously, and I know other people. And it's like that is like a thing. Like, and, you know, like with Derek, and you know the. I know we. I miss comic conventions. You miss monster. Con- we get it. But like the Disney thing, that's like a thing, right? Like you're like plan whole trips oh, yeah. and cruises and planes and. Fl- like how do you? Are you going through like Disney withdrawal, or are you just like watching Very Mandalorian so. on a loop of just like? Give me Baby Yoda. Give it like I need an IV of Baby Yoda.
8: <laughs> I have bought so much Baby Yoda merchandise <laughs> and, and gotten some from other people, which is awesome. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely going through disney withdrawal like i said we literally have canceled three trips to disney world one trip to disneyland and one
2: uh, disney cruise wow hopefully back to normal soon hopefully we'll, we'll get all together again as well in person that'd be kind of cool at a convention or yes. something yeah it
8: has to happen that's true too i miss conventions so much i hope monster bash to do that again someday I just hope to do yeah. anything.
2: <laughs> I miss them for easy content. I mean, usually I go to Trificon and I, I'll get five, six episodes <laughs> for a weekend. <laughs> I actually, I actually had to go to work this time in August, <laughs> crank out some products. So yeah, that, I do miss them. That is, the, you know, set the, set the recorder and forget it, man. You know, host a panel and go for it. But anyway. No, glad we could get together virtually. We'll we'll
0: talk about the movie here in a second, but just to kind of say something about the convention thing, I just got my latest issue of G-Fan magazine yesterday. G-Fan is uh, the magazine put out by the people that put on G-Fest. It's all Godzilla and Kaiju stuff. And in the editorial, the the guy behind G-Fan was commenting on how, you know, earlier this year, cons had to be canceled at the last minute because we didn't know what was going on. As we move into convention season next year, it's a little different because now we know there's the pandemic. And... You know, do we even bother schedule anything at this point? And it just—it's going to be a weird year or two, I think, as the conventions kind of ease even everything out. Uh, as conventions kind of even out, so hopefully things happen sooner rather than later. Uh, if there is a way to support your local convention, please do so if they're up and running and it's safe, because I know a lot of these guys are struggling. So that's my PSA about fan conventions right there
2: yeah and they're doing virtual stuff too i know they they've got some virtual stuff out there and, and even on comic book central i tried to do my own version of it we had terrific con at home so like some of the guests that were going to be there the justice leaguers you know reuniting it didn't happen i was really hoping that <laughs> i want to meet the justice league but um like even just having them on the show you know just so we're, we're all trying to figure out what to do but yeah you're right it is true i've already seen some things cancel for next year it's going to be tricky, but uh, look, everybody, mask up. Uh, there, there's my PSA: mask up, stay safe, social distance, and stay home if you can. And let's get out of this thing as quickly as possible.
8: Well, as much as I appreciate that cons are trying to go virtual and everything, it's I'm still missing the biggest thing. I'm missing is my friends mm. going to see them. Yeah, seeing the celebrities is cool and everything, but you just can't replicate that virtually, yeah. and that's what I miss the most. Yeah, knocking
2: back a few rounds afterward, and so yeah, that's you know talking nerd. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. uh, but we can kind of do it here. I got my adult beverage.
0: We're talking. It's close. <laughs> <laughs>
2: we're socially distant. Left to worry about giving you guys something horrible.
0: We are social distancing well, right now. That's correct.
2: Yes, as
8: I was gonna say, we're we're Pennsylvania, Indiana, and Oregon. I don't know how much further we can get <laughs> apart.
0: Ohio,
2: Ohio, close. I know. Ohio. It's the, it's that's the right. Ste- you uh, Ohio. It's Sorry. the crazy Steeler fan that makes uh that makes it. You know, but I'm from yeah, Pennsylvania. That's Ridge. what always throws me <laughs> off. I'm from Pennsylvania originally, but yes, that's. Uh, no, this is this is as far away as we could possibly get. This, like, Scott's on a cruise somewhere from, you know, in, the, in the ocean, but uh, the, not not unlike the Munsters on a cruise. Hey, there you go. Let's they, listen yeah. to this
0: professional podcaster giving us a, a segue without even trying. <laughs> Yes. All right. I do it. I do what there I you can. go. I do and what I appreciate I can. <laughs> it. makes Makes my job a little easier, sir. So, yeah, Hello. the monster is on a cruise, and you guys and gals have seen it because I mentioned it at the top of the show. It's in the thumbnail. It's in the artwork. It's in the show notes. We're talking about the movie, Monster Go Home.
5: Monster, Don't I look frightfully handsome in Technicolor? (laughs) Allow me to present my wife, Louie. Pleased to meet you. And Grandpa? Hello
3: there. I'm glad I was just hanging around the house.
5: My handsome son, Eddie. And uh, the unfortunate member of our family, uh, my niece, Marilyn co-starring Terry Thomas and Hermione Gingold, Herman Munster inherits a fortune and a castle full of homicidal relatives.
2: Hey Neat, what kind of secret do you think it could be?
3: I don't know but I'll tell you this, last night I was looking out my window and I saw two guys carrying corpses into the building. <laughs>
5: Oh, quiet, Father. I'm trying to think. Come on,
1: Babs. You know,
0: I really find this movie charming and I'm excited to talk about it with a couple of my fellow podcasters my fellow fans, my my friends Uh, try to get a little bit of that community spirit going by just rapping about a movie that makes us smile and laugh we talked a little bit about this on the movie stream this past Saturday with the movie Marathon, as Joe called it, uh, about the Monsters versus the Adams Family. I think those two shows right around that time really gave Monster Kids of that era some great entertainment that has just lasted through the ages and is still just as funny and, and relevant today and enjoyable today. This is the first time any of them went big screen, isn't it?
2: I don't think the Adams Family ever went big screen, did until like the the reboot or whatever you call it. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 you're right. right. Yeah, I don't think they had a version of it. Although, how cool that would that have been? Would have been interesting uh, to have an Adams Family. They talk about this on the um, the commentary too. It was like the show had ended. Mm -hmm. Uh, Monsters, I'm talking about the show had ended, and they were like back in back in the olden days. And this is uh, look, I always. Talk about how old I am. and I am old, make no mistake about it. Uh, but this does predate me, but um, I remember it in syndication, obviously. I grew up with it in syndication every day, so I thought that's how shows were, you know. But this show only lasted like, what, two years? And then they were trying to sell a syndication package, so that's how the movie came about. So that's, that's why the big screen.
0: I think both shows just had a very short run you know just a couple of seasons Mm. and this one this being in color and the big screen trying to sell syndication rights didn't bring the entire cast back you know they kind of swapped out the maryland again (laughs) but you know what we got to see the monster home at 1313 mockingbird lane in full color it was awesome to see it's great to see that makeup in color to see the character designs in color the first time you guys saw this was it a shock or did did it kind of meet your expectations in terms of what they should have looked like in color do you remember
8: I think it was about what I thought. I mean, I, you see the pictures now. If you go online, they have pictures. I think it's more of the Adams Family being their sets in pink. Have you seen those yeah. pictures? What I'm, I've seen what those I'm pictures, Joe. To? Are you
0: familiar yeah. with that?
2: Like I said, I, my familiarity with it was the TV series. So, like, it. well, you know, oh, get, yeah. Scott, go ahead. But, it, but, but yeah, you've— you obviously saw it a lot earlier than I did. Mine mine was a little bit more recent with Munster Go Home. Well, supposedly,
8: the the Adams Family set for the TV show was pink, so the contrast would show up better in black and white. So I don't know if the Munsters did something similar to that, but I never, you know, as as a youngster, I never really gave that much thought. So when I saw this probably sometime late 70s is probably when I first saw this. And seeing them in color, it that's kind of what I expected, them being in color. You know, Technicolor came around and now we get to see them that way.
2: Didn't they do that on uh, Superman, uh, The Adventures of Superman with George Reeves too? Like, wasn't it like like brown? Like, you see some of the, I think I've seen the original suits and things like that. And they were like a shade of brown just to to get the hues right between the, the, yep. the grays and the, the blacks and the grays on the show. It wasn't blue, it wasn't red, but you know, until obviously they went color uh with it as well so yeah it's it's weird when you see some of those old timey things how they had to get the shading right so no color even on what they were wearing
0: yeah it's really interesting it is the adams family you're talking about scott where you look at the old sets from that and it's just this really weird kind of surreal uh feeling that you get looking at these sets that you know in black and white and shades of gray being in these brightly lit you know pinks and whites to see the monsters in color is just, it's neat. I really like it. And I know they probably had to change the makeup design a little bit because we are shooting in color now, as opposed to black and white is a slightly different kind of makeup, but it's just cool to see these guys and gals in full color there. And, And on the big screen, I imagine seeing it on the big screen was even more fun than it is watching it at home if that's what i wish i could have seen it on a big screen i've only
8: seen it on television
2: i was thinking about that like because well like i mentioned i you know i was born in 67 so this is you know year after this came out so i we missed that era missed beatlemania missed you know obviously caught up with it later but i just i keep thinking like how great was 1966 because you know obviously Batman and we well, we might get into this but Batman came along and, and kind of trout that's why the monsters didn't get the ratings, because <laughs> Batman just killed everybody yeah. lost in space and everything too but it, it was so interesting because at that time uh color was just coming in so Batman was in color so you had that's why when you watch it all these like garish pinks and blues and greens and people are like oh my goodness but it was like that's those colors. So when the Munsters went to the big screen, that was a huge deal. We think about the Batman movie in 1966. You had all the vehicles, you had all, you know, four villains. How cool would have been just that whole era of just seeing television characters up on the big screen? I almost wonder, like, what, like, they should have had, like, a Lost in Space movie at that time, you know? It was like maybe to sell the syndication package like they did with the monsters. How cool would that have been? I know they were in color, the, you know, in the second season on, but can you imagine, like, what they could have done on the big screen with Lost in Space—that would have been so cool. So this '66 was like that would have been a sweet time to be in the theaters.
8: And, and that's the year of my Corvair that I own. So <laughs> I like '66 as well.
0: <laughs>
8: <laughs> but I wasn't born until '68.
0: So okay, boomer. Um, so we're, I'm the younger younger here. No, I'm just teasing. I'm <laughs> just teasing. Um. <laughs> yeah no i i am the baby here amongst the crew but uh just your jokes are old yeah something like that wow (laughs) wow okay (laughs) no it would have been a great time and and you're right i mean pitching something in color that was a that was a thing. If you go back and listen to like old commercials of Star Trek for the original Star Trek, you'll hear them at the very end oh, in yeah. color because they're really trying to sell the idea that it's in color and it's a big deal to see something in color. And I'm sure that was a big draw for this as well for the Monster Go Home film. Oh yeah, the
2: uniforms. Oh, yeah, the uniforms. Just think of the start, the yellow, the red, the blue. the you know, and then uh, they were they were selling TVs too. Don't yep. forget, they were selling TVs. Yep. At oh, the yeah. time, they're like, but, "But put one of these in your home." You're like, "Okay, I'll buy yeah. it because I have to see colors." Exactly. And, you yeah. know? <laughs> and so
0: I'm sure that was a big selling point of, of this particular film as well. Yeah. Uh, it does feel like it's got some holdovers from the original show in terms of like some of the sitcom setups. It's a little weird to hear see some of the jokes without hearing like a laugh track and that sort of thing. But yeah. but you know, it's still the charm of the monsters, and I've always been a fan of this this particular franchise.
2: But, but in the context, it was in a theater. Mm-hmm. So you had a full theater. You had your own laugh track with you at the time. It is weird watching it on TV because, like you said, the side-by-side comparison. If you watch, especially, like, one of the sets I have is a DVD and includes one of the episodes on it. So, yeah, the the laugh track. But if you're in a theater, man, and you get to just laugh along with Munster fans, that had to be just the That's best. That's a good point. The absolute That's best. a
0: good point. Something I hadn't considered you are right. There'd be, like, a live laugh track right there.
2: Yeah, you didn't have to tell, like, what a producer thought. The laugh should be If it was funny you got to laugh If it wasn't Fell flat Yeah right right
0: I think um, Sven Gulley Has even shown this too So you get a little bit Of horror host interaction On some Mm -hmm. As well And I think Before watching it this morning (laughs) for this recording. That was the last time I saw it was on Svengoolie.
8: Yeah, before I watched it Friday night, the most recent time was a Svengoolie episode.
0: Because it is a Universal production, and Svengoolie has a deal with the Universal people and all that. So it is Universal through and through, and you can kind of get that feel, too, from it.
2: Definitely with the casting.
0: (laughs) Well,
8: that and also, uh, since I've been to Universal Studios California through the uh, VIP tour, I've gone to Little Europe where a lot of the original universal monster movies were filmed and i noticed some of the outside sets in this mm. were filmed there <laughs> i recognize so jealous man
0: <laughs> i need to get out there someday take some of that podcast money and organize a field trip right <laughs> yeah
8: so yeah i definitely noticed like, yeah this is at universal studios <laughs>
0: Well, even the movie poster, uh, because you guys know that I like to try to do the movie poster artwork, right across the top, when in Southern California, visit Universal Studios, <laughs> right across the top. Tell them bad yeah. sent you. <laughs> <laughs>
2: It's definitely universal, and like the the folks in the cast are you know universal production players. Even like you you referenced it earlier, Debbie Watson as Marilyn instead of Pat Priest. Universal was trying to make a starlet. She she was under contract, and she was a kid. I think she graduated high school during the production of this. They were grooming her to be. You look at her IMDb page. It no she. Got out acting not too long after that but uh the, no that was the idea universal was like hey this we'll put her in this and then you see this whole subplot with her and you know chris pine's dad you know going on and and it's like they were <laughs> grooming her to have her own movies coming out of this so yeah definitely a universal product
0: i'm sorry i didn't realize that was chris pine's dad you're right
2: oh seriously oh yeah yeah it's, it's Captain kirk's dad <laughs>
8: <laughs> you know who, who he is also
0: what do we got
2: well, I know. Let's see which reference Scott leans to first.
8: Did you watch Chips? <laughs> yeah. I, the whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, where do I know him? Where do I, you know, recently? Because he looks familiar, but not yeah. quite. He's Sergeant Guthrie from Chips.
2: Yeah, the great Robert this, Pine. This, you know which reference I'm going to lean toward, though. Hmm.
8: Uh, Octavio on the Disney Channel. Um, of course. <laughs> Ellen of
2: Avatar. <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> Top left corner match game. He, he, he was on match yep. game oh, a yeah. few Yeah, I was like like watching on match game because I'm always like, that's Chris Pine's <laughs> dad, that's Captain Chris dad. But yeah, chips was the chips was the big one. But it's so cool seeing him. I, I
0: like how Scott was oh, like. Yeah. I know I've seen him recently in something. What was it recent that I seen Oh, chips. Re- really? Chips. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, I love me TV. Yeah, hey, okay. nothing, nothing
2: wrong with that. <laughs> the big <man>. Netflix, <laughs> the big Netflix smash, chips. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, you're right. And I did miss Pat Priest. Pat Priest is my favorite Marilyn. Uh, I did make a comment earlier about how they recast her again. You know, there was a different Marilyn in the first few episodes of the original series.
2: Beverly Owen. Yeah, she was on 13 episodes. I know all these things because I did some preps for an interview this summer. (laughs) It was, she wanted to get married. Butch Patrick tells the story, but it's it's basically, she wanted to get married. Her agent told her, just do this, cash the check. It's not going to go anywhere. It's, you're going to be out. And it took off. <laughs> she had, and so she wanted to get married to the a Sesame Street writer and producer who got like crazy, crazy rich. She didn't need to be in Hollywood anymore. So she was <laughs> – she married very, quite well. Uh, but she also – she wanted to get married and didn't want to be an actress. And the powers that be put their foot down and said, no, you're staying on the show. You're under contract. And it was Fred Gwynn and Al Lewis who said – uh, you let her out of her contract, or you ain't got no show.
0: Was it because they didn't like her, or they were kind of sticking up for her? I, I never really understood that.
2: No, 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 they were sticking up for her. They knew she wanted to be married. They knew that she didn't want this. She fell in love. She got. She wanted to leave, and she would. It was in New York. They're doing. He's uh, producing Sesame Street in New York, and, there's, and she's like, "I don't want to do this anymore." I, my agent told me it'd be a one and done. You know. And so they said they knew that her heart wasn't in it, that they would just be keeping her just to keep her. So they put their foot down. That's the clout that these guys had, too. They are you know coming in from Car 54. and But yeah, so that's how Pat Priest came into it.
0: Right on. You know, you talk about coming in from Car 54. I don't think that Fred Gwynn and Al Lewis get enough credit as a comedy team. Uh, watching this and watching the interaction, especially when they're snooping around the castle looking for the secret of Herman Manor or whatever, uh, just, <laughs> just seeing those two together doing what they're doing, it's like, you know, these these guys really... Had a spark. They had a chemistry.
2: Full disclosure, as you're saying that, the scene you just described is playing, I got it in the background. (laughs) So, as you're saying it, I'm watching them
0: do it. It's so You know, in some scenes, you know, they're kind of antagonistic toward each other. And in other scenes, you know, they got each other's back. And it's just they're playing off of each other and really riffing. And my favorite, one of my favorite moments of this whole film, you mentioned Car 54, is when (laughs) Herman's yelling at Grandpa, Mm -hmm. call the police, call the FBI. call Batman car 54. Where are you? It's just, I love the Batman reference. I don't know if it was intentional or not. Since Batman kicked the show off the air, basically, or little dig, little dig. Yeah. Yeah. But the car 54, because they were in the TV show together before this. And if you've seen car 54, you know, they're fun together there too that's one of my favorite moments of this whole thing
2: it's that yeah it's the comedy team between the two mm-hmm. of them and it, there's so much joy and it was recently released on blu-ray uh this year and so you not only get the commentary track with butch patrick and rob zombie which is fantastic but you get like these radio interviews that universal did at the time to to send out and you get to get to yvonne de carlo and and fred gwynn and it's just and Al will and it's just there's so much joy like you can tell like you can tell when an actors fake and like they're just publicizing
8: yeah the, the blu-ray that you're referring to was put out by shout factory i've got it too yeah. and it is got a lot of cool stuff on yeah it.
2: But, but don't you get a sense when you listen to the extras and you listen to some of these that that they enjoyed that like yvonne de carlo at the time had her personal jaguar tricked out monsterfied like she had monster stuff on it and you know cobwebs and dracula stuff and things like that. it's just like they got it seemed like they got into it at the time and that is, is displayed on screen that's why when you see al lewis and fred gwynn together and herman does the oh, 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 you know and yeah. he did that on the show but he just oh it just there's there is a sense of joy in it afterward i think fred gwynn thought oh this really stuck with me through my career um but even at the end i think he said uh, that he he liked the character yeah um but boy in the moment and especially in this film they look like they're having a blast they really do and that comes across
0: so the movie's called Munster Go Home it's not because somebody's trying to kick them out of their home where they're at now in 1313 they actually have a reason to go over to England and then they're being told to go home and why are they going to England and I love this because they name drop Frankenstein and that makes me happy
8: well he inherits Munster Hall because it it turns out that he was adopted he was actually a Frankenstein monster and was adopted by the Munsters. Yeah, in
0: the series itself, it's also said at one point or another that Frankenstein made Herman. So I
2: eighteen fifteen. Yep.
0: And I love that. At I love the it.
2: University of Heidelberg, yeah. He was <laughs>
0: <laughs> so they name drop Frankenstein in this and they talk about why his last name's Munster and why he's gotta go over to England. He's inheriting this this manner, he's going to become a lord, and it goes immediately to his head. <laughs>
2: Yeah, Lord Munster. <laughs> he's got on the jacket, this jacket when he gets on the cruise ship.
8: Oh, the, yeah, the the yellow jacket. He looks like he's going into the NFL yes. Hall of Fame. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Let's <laughs> say Lord Munster. And, and I love that, too, because
0: it's a it's a chance to get us a double joke, right? Because they're walking on the cruise ship as they're getting ready to go over to England, and they kind of comment to each other, I feel like everybody's staring at us. Well, of course they are. You guys are a bunch of monsters. No, it's not because of that. It's because you've blinged out your coat to let everybody know that you are now Lord Munster. And I, and I like that kind of, like, one-two punch, you know?
2: Yeah, and the hat. and everything. Oh, Yeah, it's just... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the costuming in this flick is great. I mean, they they look so amazing. It's funny, too, because on the Blu-ray, you can see so many details on these things, too. So I love the color. As I say this, there's a scene where Lily holds her hands up. And you can see, though, where the makeup doesn't cover. (laughs) So there's all those kind of things. But the costuming is just amazing. The effects, the stunts, the gags. There's so much good stuff in this film.
0: really is. And I love when they go over to... Munster Hall, because then we get to see one of my guys. I love me some John Carradine. And if you're not paying attention, you Mm. might not realize that's who it is right at first, because he's got this great makeup job. And I don't know who did the makeup, but you got John Carradine in here as a butler, as the butler, uh, as Crookshank. And once he starts speaking, then you're like, oh, yeah, that's John Carradine. You know who that is. But he looks great. Really appreciated that. And you got a couple of other people, including Terry Thomas.
2: He is just so over the top in this flick. But if you're going to be over top in the flick, it's a monster movie, right? Yeah, so you, no, nobody's <laughs> nobody's right.
0: sticking out. I mean, I think the people that stand out the most, and this was kind of a big joke through the entire thing, Marilyn and Roger, you know, they stick right. away, you know, yeah. because they're playing it straight. But everybody else is so over the top, even though yeah. the biological monsters, I guess, Terry Thomas and company, even though they've got some quirks, you know, oh, we're going to kill them, we're going to hit them with a jagged object or whatever. Yeah. You know, they're they're just as over the top as everybody else, but then you got Roger who's kind of playing things kind of straight. It's just great. I just am kind of getting wrapped up in the whole thing right now. I need to dial it down a little bit so I actually make sense when I do the edit.
2: Um. (laughs) Terry Thomas's tantrums, too, though, are just. Off the charts! It's just so much fun watching him, just like literally throwing himself down on the ground and stomping his feet like a baby. And I mean, the if people haven't seen it, basically the thing is that you know Herman gets to take over the. He gets everything. He gets the whole mansion. He gets the the fortune. Everything. And they, but they don't. They're not happy about that. You know, especially uh, Freddy Munster. He's he he was going to be. He was supposed to be Lord Munster. <laughs> but
0: I was supposed to be Lord Munster. Yes. <laughs>
8: <laughs> yeah. He he reminds me a lot. He in, in just a few years he's going to play Sir Hiss in Robin Hood, Disney's Robin Hood, playing a, roughly the same type of character.
2: Yeah. Fantastic. And how about Bernard Fox too? Because I always loved him on Huggins Heroes. Oh, Colonel Crittenden. Yeah. He just, every time I saw the him <laughs> in an episode, I'm like, that's a classic. That's I, It was on, uh, I think I yesterday, I think it was on, uh, was it Sundance or one of them or something? And I saw one of those episodes. It was, I think, a two-part or something. I record, boom, that's an automatic record. That's, I, I can watch these. <laughs> and he's so good in it. And it we know they're shooting on the Universal Backlot, but it really does in a sense feel like if there's like English pubs and they're in there and Richard Dawson's there and Bernard
8: Fox is there. And, and other uh, Hogan's Hogan Heroes. Hogan's Heroes.
2: Yeah, I think everybody I think they just everybody <laughs> brought everybody from Hogan's Heroes to shoot this thing. Um but it does give a sense like they're like they're there. They're not, they're in California shooting. But um especially when Al Lewis comes into the English pub. Oh man, I love as, that. And I forgot the name of the English pub. It's got a great name, but I, I totally forgot. I was like just that. about
0: to ask you guys, because I remember thinking, that's a great name. I need to remember that, and now I'm spacing on it. Yeah, me too. It's,
2: uh, look, you guys talk, and I'll just rewind. <laughs>
0: it's, 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 right. it's in the
2: scene. It's at the scene of the Irish pub or the English pub. So all,
0: all the English pub scenes feel at home, and they feel real. Whatever they did to this movie, yes, it's shot on the back lot. Yes, it's brightly lit when it needs to be, and it's all this technicolor, but when they throw in the fog, man, it's it's perfect. It's like, this this is where we need to be. I really dug it. And when Grandpa walks into the pub, oh.
2: <laughs> but It's like kind of that Universal Monsters horror. Like, it has yes. a sense of that, and then all of a sudden, it's, oh, it's Al It's, it's great
0: yeah. yeah. But the people in the pub don't know that. <laughs>
2: No, no, no.
0: (laughs) And I love their reaction to him being there. It's just just great. Oh, man. So, yeah, they go over there because they're going to take ownership of the hall. And uh, there's the other monsters that live there that don't want that to happen. Ultimately, this whole thing culminates in a race. And I'm not really sure how we I mean, I know how we got there in terms of the story. But it does seem like, okay, well, we can't kill him. So we're going to beat him in a race and kill him there. Uh, Oh, okay, That makes sitcom sense to me. Well,
2: again, put yourself in the in the time period too. This is like drag racing. I mean, think of you know the monkeys. You know they had the monkey mobile, and again, it's it was a George Barris created all these vehicles. Oh, yeah. The great George Barris. So that was the big thing back then. Ra- drag racing cars uh, in film and TV. They had the model kits. Mm-hmm. You know, you bought all these model kits and everything. So they had to get a drag race in somehow. Does it make sense? No, but we get the Dragula out of it.
0: Oh yeah, that car, man. Well, the monstrous car was always cool anyway, but Scott, you're more of a car guy. What were you going to say?
8: Yeah, I'll show you how much of a car guy. I was watching the race near the end of the film, and I was counting all of the left-hand drive vehicles and thinking, these should all be right-hand drive. They're in England.
0: (laughs) I was going to ask you about that, Scott, because I know (laughs) you're a car person a lot more than I am. You know, if the steering wheels were on the right side or not, or left side, I guess.
8: (laughs) But no, I, I love the Dragula. I've, that is such a cool car.
2: To have the Munsters coach and the Dracula in one film? Yep. The Bird in the Bush. The Bird in the Bush is the name of the pub.
8: Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, I love the fact that they, the cruise ship that they take, you know, you bring your car with you, and so... The, the coach gets to, to make the journey over the over the pond. Yep.
2: But it was so iconic, right? That I mean, you think about oh, it. Yeah. That was like you couldn't do a Munsters movie. If you're taking them out of 1313 Mockingbird Lane and you're just taking the – there's got to be something from the TV show, something iconic. And that car was iconic. I mean, you think of like the Beverly Hillbillies jalopy. All the cars in the 60s TV shows, they were just, oh, my goodness.
0: Very cool. And you've got to have that. And like you said, you take them out of the house. So – Uh, let's see put my cards on the table here I haven't watched an episode of the monsters in a long time but I've watched them all over the years over and over and over again and a lot of the scenes are embedded in my brain and I don't remember them spending a lot of time away from or outside of the house anyway because this is a bigger budget film obviously you can get out of the house and you have to to kind of show off what you're doing. But they still bring the touches. They still bring the coach. You still get to see an appearance of Spot right before they leave the home. You oh, still yeah. have Wolf Wolf the doll. I mean, you still have all these little moments, these little touchstones that remind you, yeah, this is what the Monsters was. And I love that.
8: And you've got to have Grandpa's you know, lab, his portable lab, obviously, <laughs> no, no, in this one. No, no, no. But yeah, that's another thing that's iconic for the show was his lab. His yeah.
2: potions. He was always like making potions or pills. <laughs> yep. The wolf pills. The wolf pills. <laughs> Well, that was the, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think that was the episode, wasn't it, You're referring to like the episode where Eddie gets the, the beard? Yes. The full beard? That was the coolest thing this year was, it was so weird because I saw, again, putting in the context of the summer, I saw Herman Munster trending. I don't know if you guys remember this over the summer, when there was like a lot of civil unrest going and all the, the demonstrations and Herman Munster was, I'm like, why was Herman Munster trending?
0: Mm, yeah.
2: In that episode that that Scott was referring to he was there's the speech that has just gone viral over the years of you know the of tolerance, and it doesn't matter if you're if you're black or you're white or you're this, if you're tall or you're thin or you're u- or ugly or you're handsome, like your dear old dad. <laughs> it was always, always the joke, and and I I forget the the actual quote. Um, he's basically was it the strength of your character, the size of your heart, and the strength of your character. Those are the things. That, and it was like that trend in Herman Munster was trying. It was so cool because I had um, Butch Patrick on the show not long after that, and I got to talk to him about that. And he's like, "Yeah, that was." That was a moment. He goes, that's what we did. That's what the writers did. They always tried to find a way to work those things in. So you mentioned the episode, it was just so odd to see Herman Munster trending this year. <laughs> so we got a Blu-ray of Munster Go Home. We got Herman Munster teaching us lessons from 55 years ago or whatever. Right. Um, Yeah, it was just, uh, it was cool to see kind of those things, that they're they're always with us.
0: It's fun. Okay, it's something that we laugh at. It's a sitcom with monsters, but they still had you talk about the fun, the joy, the heart. There's just something there to kind of connect us, 55, 50, 60, whatever, however many years later. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons why I think the monsters are so eternal and, and so hard to kind of revisit them without these people portraying these roles, without this spirit, you know? Um, I know they tried to relaunch it at one point um, with Jerry O'Connell, I think, was was Herman. And I just, it just doesn't feel right without this particular. Yeah, without sensibility. the makeup.
2: Yeah,
0: without yeah, the makeup and just the fun and the joy. And, you know, that carried over to the film. It really did. I mean, even at the end during the race where they're worried that Herman's going to get killed, Grandpa and Lily are out there doing everything they can for Herman, for their family. That's something. That's cool.
2: Yeah, and it's Lily's the one that saves the day, right?
0: Yeah, I love it. I just It's it's a light story. It's not a very heavy story at all, but, gosh, it's not
8: so much heart. It's so much fun. It's it's not one that you really want to throw a lot of tomatoes at.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I appreciated that, too. (laughs) So I've talked about some of my favorite moments. What are some of your favorite moments from the film? And so that there's not any awkward silence, we'll start with, uh, I'll say Joe this time. (laughs)
2: <laughs> okay, no more Hawkins. You well, you hit on one of the ones. You know where they reference Batman. I thought that was a cool little dig. Yeah, of course they threw a dig at it, Batman, right? You know, right? You're gonna put us out. Well, we're on we we're, we're on the big screen, so there you go. And we're <laughs> gonna be forever in syndication too. So they get the last laugh. Man, there's I I love there's a part where Al and you and I talk about this on the Ab and Costello movies. Mm -hmm. I kind of dig when characters break the fourth wall. I love when Bugs Bunny does it. I love when Evan Costello do it. Al Lewis breaks the fourth wall in this. Maybe even Batman does it. Some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. Who's he talking to? Of course he's talking to the audience. I love that era uh, when they do stuff like that. So there's an element of that in there as well. I just threw a bunch of trivia in here, just uh, like some cool stuff. Um, If you're an Andy Griffith show fan... Jack Dodson, this is his big screen debut. He plays Howard Sprague on the Andy Griffith show, but he pops up in here. I think it's on the cruise ship, right? Yes. He's one of the stewards. Um, I mentioned that Richard Dawson, look, you know, I loves me my match game. I loves me my Family Feud. I loves me my Richard Dawson. Um, I had got a chance to ask Butch Patrick about this on the show. I'm like, tell me, I know you didn't work with Richard Dawson, but do you? And he goes, oh, he hit on my mom like, <laughs> on, the, on the set. He's like, Hey, he did. He was doing that kissing thing long before Family Feud. I'm like, right, but wouldn't you expect, wouldn't you be disappointed if Richard Dawson didn't hit on Eddie Munster's mom? Like, of course he would. It was 1966 and he's Richard Dawson. Um, You mentioned John Carradine. Uh, That was, you know, amazing. And I love at the end... There's an element, too, where uh, Herman's uh, capturing the, the bad guys uh, at the end. And he's, like, whipping these tires. Mm-hmm. And I, all I could think of was, like, Christopher Reeve doing that years later in Superman 3. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, flinging those tires. And, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the drag race, it makes no sense. But And the cool thing about the drag race, it pops up in the comic book. There was a comic book series, by the way. Uh, ran for a few years. Uh, 16 issues. You know i got to work in a comic book theme at some point. Sure. And the, the Dragula appears on two of the covers... And there's a story in it on both of those. So if you if you can't get enough of the Dracula, uh, go get you the comics.
8: One part that I wanted to mention, and one of the actors that we haven't really talked about is Arthur Mallet, who is uh, playing uh, Alfie, which is uh, Richard Dawson's partner in crime. Okay. I love the interaction between those two characters especially when they're going to Munster Hall at the beginning and they're carrying out the coffins and they're afraid <laughs> to look at, at what's in there. I just I really like the, the the interaction there and I love the scene at the end of the film when they carry the two coffins out and you're thinking they're the uh, what they've been carrying out the whole time but this time it's actually Grandpa and Lily and the way they rise out of the coffin to scare them just cracks me up. Mm-hmm. I think it's hilarious. Oh, yeah. And and um, Derek's going to like this. Do you know who uh, Arthur Mallet? what his Disney connection uh, is? Disney connection. Here we go. What do you got? <laughs> he was the king in the Black Cauldron. Oh, was he really? Nice. Yes.
2: Nice. Deep cut. <laughs> That's awesome. He's also in Mary Poppins, by the way. And they're and they're not just like cameos and they, like they've got their own little subplot. Like there's oh, yeah. there's like their own little movie going on in there. And then like Marilyn's got her own little movie going on. And then you got the shenanigans of the monsters. So there's like all kinds of crazy stuff going on here. There, there's just not like people popping up. They gave him something to do. Which and movies like this. That doesn't happen that often.
0: No, and you couldn't do that on a sitcom. On a sitcom, you don't have mm-hmm. an A and a B and a C plot or anything like that. But mm-hmm. this is a full-on movie, and they take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. The ironic thing, and
2: to
8: pull it back into especially that I'm talking to you two about this, Arthur Mallett and Richard Dawson's character, if this was a few years before, could have easily been played by Evan Costello. Oh, yeah. I could see that.
2: So, yeah, I could easily see that, Scott. Where they like, they give, All of a sudden, they get their own film out of this.
8: <laughs> you know, especially and that and also with their reaction to some of the Munster shenanigans. Mm-hmm. And just it reminded me a lot of Abbott and Costello, which is a good thing. Sure. Yeah.
2: I'm, I'm watching as you're speaking. I'm watching them at the bar at the pub right now. Just having the conversations. <laughs> Has nothing to do with the Munster's movie. They're just having this own little thing. And their reactions to these things is they're just knocking back drink after drink. That's classic. Yeah, they are. They are definitely a standout in this.
0: And I love the way they're introduced to those two characters specifically because you get a little bit of Burke and Hare going on here but then you have to realize it's a monster movie of course they're not Robin Graves but still they're still playing up on that and Mm -hmm. I just adore that too
2: by the way speaking of Abin Costello I don't and I have to go back and listen to our conversation about uh, Abin Costello Meet the Invisible Man I don't know that uh, Derek you and I referenced the fact that 1313 Mockingbird Lane is the house that was used in that film I'm sorry Yes. Well, apparently, I don't think we did then, because if we don't recall it, that didn't... The house in the film, Evan Costello, Meet the Invisible Man, 823 Maple Lane, is the same house on the Universal backlot as 1313 Mockingbird Lane. That's one of the gems, little gems. So watch... The Rob Zombie, Butch Patrick <laughs> commentary, get that. Listen to Derek and I talking about Evan Costell. You get the full picture. Um, but yeah, that's the same house. Same house. It was the, one of the first times it was used.
8: And that, that house eventually went on to become part of Desperate
2: Housewives.
0: hmm <laughs> I did know that. I did know that.
2: <laughs> they're saying now they're spending more time talking on the tour about Desperate Housewives than they were the Munsters. Like, yeah, Desperate Housewives, that's cool and more modern, but pop culture iconic? You gotta have the monster's house, right? And they, oh, yeah, they just like that it became more about desperate housewives and like yeah, even Butch Patrick's like, I don't I don't get that at all. They <laughs> You got the Monsters House, It should be the Monsters House. <laughs> one of the other things that i liked about it too was on on these blu-ray extras as you're going through and uh just it kind of tugged to my heart a little bit you might know kevin burns producer you know obviously a any biography he's been on the show lost in space he's the guy that brought lost in space back so many times we lost him this year you see these International movie posters, you see these behind-the-scenes photographs on the on the Blu-ray. It's so cool to go back, and it just says, Courtesy Kevin Burns, and it's like, this guy had everything in his collection. He was a huge Monsters fan, he was a huge Lost in Space fan, he owned the Lost in Space Race, you know, he was, he, we have the Netflix series, thanks to him. I saw the name pop up, and that tugged at my heartstrings a little bit, and it's just like, ah, oh, bittersweet, because thank goodness he collected all these things so we could look at them, um, but what a loss this year, too, so... That was interesting to see. Do we know how well this did theatrically? I did not check that. It didn't get a, another movie for like till the '80s, so it probably didn't do well, right, Scott? <laughs> I'm guessing. Right.
8: I I don't think it did all that well, but uh, it was frequently double billed with the Ghost of Mister Chicken. Yes. That's... Which would have been a fun double feature. Oh to wow! Yeah.
2: Could you imagine going to a drive-in and seeing that that double bill? That's a night right there. That would have been I, might I might actually that. watch the movie. That's and exactly not make what I... out in the car. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I was just going to go outside and project it on the on the garage. <laughs> Let's do our own double bill, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know how well it did, but I, I did hear that it, I did see that it had been released with Ghost of Mr. Chicken, which, I mean, you've got the monsters and with its iconic music, even, and then I think Vic Missy did. Goes to Mr. Chicken, didn't he? And then he did the Addams Family, so he got some awesome music for the night. Yeah. And then,
8: man. I did read where uh, this film didn't do all that well. And uh, it actually, the studio had been thinking of bringing Would You Believe Get Smart to the big screen. Yeah, that's right. Since the Munster Go Home didn't do that well, they canceled that project. Oh.
2: But Rob Zombie's favorite film, we know that. And it got a Blu-ray yep. in 2020. So, again, suck on that. All y'all haters <laughs> out there that didn't like Munster go home back in the day. You know what? Again, the Munsters get the last laugh. The, a big, booming Herman Munster <laughs> laugh. We know how that sounds.
8: And it's still available from uh, Scream Factory, which is a division of Shout Factory. Yeah. 23 bucks, Not bad.
2: I just ordered it on two-day delivery. I had the DVD so, and and there's, I have the DVD and it's got Munster's Revenge on it and has an episode. So I had that to, for preps for uh, Butch Patrick. I didn't realize the Blu-ray was coming out and I, I got so busy producing the show, I didn't get the Blu-ray and I knew we were recording this. So a certain conglomerate uh, retail outlet that's out there, <laughs> but I did order, I got like two day shipping on it and it, it came like in a day. Which is crazy. It dropped it off on my front porch, and I had the Blu-ray in time to watch it. So you can get it, like Scott said, cheap and fast. And we're all home. We ain't going anywhere. Go get you some Munster. Go home.
0: No, I don't have the Blu-ray myself. I've been relying on other ways to see it, and it is something that I'm going to make sure I add to my wish list and all that, because I would love to get my hands on it, mm-hmm. just for the special features and the commentary track. And it comes with another movie, too, doesn't it? The Monsters Revenge is on the blame. Yeah, Munster's revenge. Revenge yeah. is on that. I've never seen yep. that. What is that?
2: Are you setting up a future Monster Kid Radio? <laughs> not, not. I
0: mean, for how long? It took for <laughs>
2: episode five hundred and one. <laughs> I know. In five years from now, for episode six hundred.
0: I'm just curious. It's the original cast, at least for the adults in that one, too, isn't it? Different Marilyn
2: again. <laughs> we're used to yeah, that, right? Yeah, and different Eddie. Eddie had grabbed Butch Patrick had on the role. Scott, this was with robots, right? Munster robots.
8: I've only seen it once, and I don't. I can't
2: remember. It's forever ago, yeah. <laughs> I haven't watched that one yet, but I think it's with the Munster robots, and they I were think in it. So. Yeah, it's a, it's a. Yeah, not as Munstery, you know, because it's different. It, but the three main stars, and you know, you get. Fred and, you know, Fred Gwynn and Al Lewis and Yvonne DeCarlos. What more do you want?
0: They're kind of the heart. I mean, I, I appreciate what the kids were doing, but they're kind of the heart. You know, you got to have that. Okay. Well, I'm curious. You know, just I'll yeah. call it a bonus if I ever do get my hands on the Blu ray and I'll, I'll watch those two. I was. Laughing when Scott told me that Rob Zombie was on the commentary track, it's like really? How does that? I don't understand. But <laughs> it sounds like he gave some good information, and it was worthwhile.
2: Yeah, it's his favorite film. He said that he's a huge Monsters fan, and it's uh,
8: Scott. You've re- you've listened to it, right? Oh yeah. I, I, there's one scene where he's talking about the coach. The his, that was his favorite car. That
2: and yes. Christine. <laughs> oh yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> There's well, a and it's and because he's talking to Butch Patrick, and I, you know, obviously Butch was very young when they did the show. They only did the show mm-hmm. for two years, and did this movie in a few weeks. So, but for fifty-five years, he's been talking about it. But you know, he he remembers only so much at the time. You know, obviously Eddie Munster's not in every scene, and even in this film, it's he's used sparingly. Um, so it's interesting. So it's more of just like a chat about his years. Talking about the monsters and what he remembers, you know, about different things like that. But it is very cool to hear. And they, they talk about, yeah, wasn't it talked about Halloween? And because uh, there's a scene in a, with a horse in this one, and he talks about shooting with a horse. And then, so they kind of go off in their own little tangents about their own movies, too. <laughs> so it's just, it's like a really cool conversation. It's like, and then, like, oh, by the way, there's a movie play in the background.
0: <laughs> so, so it's one of those kind of commentary tracks.
2: <laughs> well, you're right. But, you know, there is a scene where he,
8: What's that? I was actually surprised how enjoyable it was because I'm personally I'm not a big Rob Zombie fan. But I I enjoyed listening to the commentary.
0: You mean he doesn't have a Disney connection or something, Scott? (laughs) (laughs) I'm surprised.
2: But there is a scene where Eddie sleeps in a drawer. On the boat, th- Yeah, Yeah, the boat. Journalist Justin Beam, it was moderated. So there's three of them doing the talking. So he kind of keeps oh, yeah. things on track, too. But they're like blabbing, oh, and I remember I did, you know, the drag racer, and the, you know, I had my cars, and I got a uh, mock-up. But then the the journalist jumps in and goes, by the way, let me jump in here. There's a part in the movie there where you're in a drawer. <laughs> like, how long <laughs> were you in that drawer? <laughs> He's like, oh, they, didn't, they didn't keep me in the drawer too long. <laughs> their laws you know um so there's cool things like there is a dude there that will bring you back to the movie when something amazing happens in it too so and, and like as we're talking i'm watching the interior of the castle se- you know the scenes and th- this could be like an ab costello uh, monster movie kind of thing you know it's just the look of it the, the big spike things coming down and the trap doors and the walls busting it God, man, it is just so cool. I want to watch this again. I'm watching. As soon as we're done, I'm watching it again.
0: Like I said, I want to get my hands on the Blu-ray. I want to watch it again now.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch it. Watch it with the commentary track. It's pretty cool.
0: We've been talking for uh, about an hour now at this point. We we all have deadlines because we're all super busy. Before we wrap up, is there anything else we want to say about the movie? I think the story is pretty basic. We've kind of danced around it a little bit. But is there anything else we want to say about the film before we... uh, start plugging Joe and Scott's uh, projects.
8: Well, I would definitely say if you are a fan of the Munsters and you haven't seen this, why haven't you watched this? <laughs> because it, it does in part does feel like an extended television episode, which is not a bad thing if you're a fan of the show. Right. And I also got a vibe of the habit and Costello and the monster movies, which is good as well. I enjoy this movie a lot. And I can't recommend the Blu-ray enough. It's so crisp. They've restored it beautifully. Mm-hmm. And the radio interviews are fun. There's also some radio commercials. Oh, yeah. Uh, trailers and the original theatrical trailer. So definitely worth picking this thing up.
2: I echo everything Scott said. It's, it looks amazing. It sounds amazing. You could see it's the monsters. They're in color. They're in bright, vivid color. It's so cool. And I could watch Fred Gwynn and Al Lewis all day long. The, the comedy team, you're, Derek, you're right. They don't get enough credit.
0: I think I would probably want to end this conversation by reminding people that when you're in Southern California, you should visit Universal Studios. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the Desperate Housewives house? Yeah.
8: Sure. Now, seeing this movie and seeing the scenes when they're, you know, walking through the little town and I'm like, that's little Italy or little Europe.
0: I've been there. That's so cool. (laughs) That is one thing that I read is that people would ask Patrick over the years, you know, what it was like shooting in England. He's like, yeah, um, we were at Universal.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Not so much.
8: Yeah, Tracy was watching it with me, and she's like, I don't think there's that many, you know, green hills and mountains in England.
2: <laughs> Did you see oh, in the background race? The race? <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it looks awfully sunny. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> Shouldn't it be foggy and rainy all the time? <laughs> all the time, right. <laughs> they they should not sit, yeah.
2: Yeah. And by the way, the drag race is pretty awesome. Oh, it yeah, it's pretty, yeah, yeah. It's great. Yeah, it is. pretty Yeah. Cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> complete with all the different hijinks you need with the road clothes sign being on the wrong side of the yeah just everything and the recurring gag of the couple on the haystack yeah
2: and the motorcycle with the sidecar which they did like every movie where like, yep. you're yep. gonna hit something yeah
0: yep gotta have and that never
2: never not funny never not funny yep.
0: <laughs> always works always works yep so we were kind of talking a little bit at the beginning of this. Okay, we really were talking about this at the beginning of this. All three of us have been podcasting for a while. Scott is the man behind Disney Indiana every other week, giving us a visit to the park from their humble home in Indiana. How many episodes are you up to now, man? This past weekend was episode 324. Listen to you, man. That's awesome. Awesome congrats man and disney Thank keeps you. buying up property so you're gonna have plenty of stuff to talk about for a long time
2: <laughs> that's the craziest thing is he will never ever ever run out of material because they own everything <laughs>
8: yeah we actually got our first episode on the simpsons not too long ago. we talked about treehouse of terror
2: love it love it
0: and then uh, mr joe stuber over there knocking it out of the park man comic book central bringing comic books to life you know I knew that show was going to be awesome when you did your very first episode and you knocked out of the park with Stan Lee as your first guest. All downhill from there, right? Dude, (laughs) I mean, come on. That was awesome. But you've had some amazing guests over the years. Uh, Just a, a grand time over there. If you're a comic book fan you need to see it you need to watch it you gotta watch it or i'm sorry you need to listen to the show watch it listen i don't know stay well, outside no, you joe's house watch it. i launched
2: I, I launched the comic book central youtube channel I, I got some uh i had a agents of shield video interview this this year so that nice. was kind of cool with uh henry simmons and uh jeff ward like i want to call him deke because it's deke squad and i got a shirt the deke squad shirt but it's jeff ward yeah we talked about that um so yeah there are some videos out there. there's more coming i've got uh alan dean foster uh, we did a video interview, so that's going to be coming up. Wolf Kroger is going to be coming up for year eight. He is the production was well, a production designer for Popeye. Um, so if you love the 1980 feature film Popeye with Robin Williams and Shelley Duvall, I've been doing a ton of episodes with that this year. Had the cast Paul Dooley. Uh, has been on Jules Pfeiffer, the legendary Jules Pfeiffer. Has been on uh, Electric Company. I got Paul Dooley created the Electric Company, so that got me on Electric Company theme. <laughs> you know, when I get on a theme, I like to do a ton of episodes. So uh, I had the whole cast of the Electric Company on the show. Agents of Shield wrapped up. I had a ton of Agents of Shield. ABC was so nice in letting Comic Book Central jump in for some of the media interview because there's no convention, so everything's virtual. So we got to do Zoom. Interviews. So that was cool. So the entire cast of uh, cast
0: and crew of Agents of Shield. That's awesome. ComicbookCentral.net and com. Did I get that right? Net yes. And com? Okay. Just you wanted did. to make sure. And if there aren't already links there, there will be links to these two websites in the show notes, of course. And Joe has been on the show repeatedly talking about the Abbott and Costello movies with me. And Scott apparently hasn't been on the show in a long time. I didn't realize it's been that long. <laughs> Um,
2: <laughs> I think the last he, he doesn't he doesn't feel bad about it at all, does he? <laughs> <laughs> chip on
0: his shoulder. Was was the last thing we talked about in Evan Costello movie? I Scott, you and I communicate so often off mic, you know, either on Skype or just chatting online. I lose track, man. I am so sorry, dude. <laughs> but I still, love the my apes. favorite. I love thing the, the Apes. You yeah, guys the crushed it on the, ape was, the Apes. favorite thing that we did was was our journey through the
8: Planet of the Apes movies. Oh, so. I love that. Love that.
0: Well. We still have the TV series to get through on that. And And the Tim (laughs)
8: Burton movie.
0: No, we don't have to do the Tim Burton film. We're good there. We're good. But we do have the TV series. And you know what? We talked about this on the stream. I'm just going to reiterate for those of you who have not joined us in the Monster Kid Movie Club on the weekends. uh, Next year, we will have the return of 1951 down place in some way, shape, or form. So that'll that'll happen.
8: And you and I also have another movie we're talking about doing uh, sometime soon. As well,
0: refresh my memory.
8: the the one with the number the twenty seventh. day. Do we get day? a tease? Oh, that's
0: right. That's right. Okay, <laughs> oh. man. <laughs> so much for a tease. That's right. We'll be talking about the twenty seventh day here in the near future. When you put
2: out five hundred episodes, they they do tend to run together.
0: <laughs> yeah, give me some slack here, man. Yeah, this should be episode five twenty seven. So we, the twenty seventh oh, day. Be cool. <laughs> that's that'd be cool. That'd be kind of brilliant. Let's do that. <laughs> Right on. Well, guys, I appreciate all of your support over the years uh, for the show, you know, promoting and, and sharing posts and retweeting tweets and all that other stuff. I really appreciate it. I am proud to call you guys colleagues, and I love what you do. And I'm very happy that we finally got around to doing this movie together because I didn't want to tackle it without either one of you guys. So. And everybody out there should
8: really check out Derek's stream on Twitch on mm. Tuesdays and Saturdays. He puts in a lot of work setting up the Astronomy Club and the, the Movie Club well worth your time giving us great entertainment
2: while we're all stuck at home.
8: So. And
0: see, this is why I should have Scott on the show more often. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the amount of work that goes into it, cause that's an all day thing every day you do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is cool to get with like-minded and, and like I said, it's sometimes, the movies are treated with reverence. Sometimes they're not treated with reverence so much. (laughs) It's just kind of fun to kind of jump in and riff. I haven't had a chance to join you in recent weeks because, you know, you know, life, man, producing podcasts. but uh, the times I've been able to jump in, it's just nuts, man. And you just like, I think you had Gamera the one time I was on and that movie is just so much fun to watch with a bunch of people. So yeah, thank you for keeping us all entertained. Sure. And it, yeah. if this
8: episode is going to come out this week, just let everybody know that Stuffed With Character is coming back to the stream. Oh, yeah? Yep. Right on. Very cool. Because one of the movies you're covering this week is They Saved Hitler's Brain. You're not making a Hitler, are you? Uh, no, we're not making a Hitler, <laughs> okay, but good. I do have an idea for um, a giveaway. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's, it's cool when those things pop in in between the the breaks of the movies and the little, comer- yeah. It's it's fun to watch those. Everybody's working so hard to entertain everybody else right
0: now. <laughs> well, you know, it's I'd be doing this stuff anyway, right? I mean, I think we talk about this all the time. Scott would be, you know, mouse ear deep in Disney and Star Wars stuff anyway. Joe, you're a huge comic book fan and especially of the adaptations, and I love these monster movies. We'd be doing this stuff anyway. Right, right. So to be able to share that with folks and have people enjoy what we do, I mean, that just means a lot. Indeed. All right, gang, I have some editing to do.
8: <laughs> the clock is ticking. The clock and is ticking. I do ticking.
2: not. <laughs> Scott does not. That's right. I
8: don't have another show until uh, two weeks from last Sunday.
2: Yeah, and I'm taking a break. I'm taking a week off. So <laughs> this
8: <is laughs> I'm taking a week off.
0: I'm taking a week off. <laughs> yeah, uh, I watch gotta, every I- other week. <laughs> <laughs>
10: In just a few moments, these five, American newspaper man, English bathing beauty, German scientist, Russian soldier, Chinese peasant girl, will be given the power to destroy every human being on Earth. What will they do? What will their governments force them to do?
5: What would you do? Each of the capsules has a diameter of lethal radiation, which is exactly 3,000 miles. There is then, in the combined capsules, more than enough power to wipe out all human life on your planet. People of Earth, I am an alien from outer space. Police
11: looking for Jonathan Park!
3: Don't say anything. I thought you'd never make us...
11: How long are we going to stay here just hiding like hunted animals?
3: You don't think I like hiding,
11: do you? We've been here 10 days. We've managed to disagree on every one of
3: them. Actually, we've had all the disadvantages of marriage without any of the advantages.
7: Jonathan, But it's true. It's time I went to bed.
3: Demand is hereby made for the immediate withdrawal of all American forces and civilians on land, sea, and air to within the limits of continental United States
5: on
10: pain of total war. Every human being alive will die unless science solves the riddle of the destruction capsules from outer space before the 27th
3: day. Catch me, Klaus. Where are they? I've launched them. <laughs> Soon the world will be ours.
13: cobwebs off your vcr and get ready for america's first family of fright thank
1: goodness family face
13: this time herman grandpa and the rest of the monsters find themselves up to their fangs in hot water
3: we've been accused of terrorizing a city if we expect to clear our names herman we're gonna have to do something about it
13: these monsters are no dummies or are they
3: you mean that us
5: don't do anything i wouldn't do you rascal.
13: A mad scientist is sending familiar-looking robots on a crime spree, and it's up to the monsters to stop him.
5: Well, the time I thought we were innocent.
13: So join Herman and Grandpa as they go undercover on a mission of grave importance. It all adds up to a frightfully funny adventure at a monstrous good time.
3: Are we there yet? I'll drink to that.
13: things in
1: Transylvania.
13: Sid Caesar isn't the only one who gets a charge out of visiting 1313 Mockingbird Lane. The monster's revenge.
0: Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of Monster Kid Radio. Thanks for checking us out and listening to the show and downloading it and maybe even giving us an honest review wherever it is you download podcasts and sharing it with your friends, retweeting tweets, you know, just trying to grow the audience a little bit more and get more people involved with Monster Kid Radio because, I mean, the more the merrier, right? I appreciate having everybody involved with the show as well. Special thanks again to Scott, Joe, Mark, and Kenny for being part of the show and for everybody who contacted us with feedback about the show.
7: You can call and leave a voicemail for Monster Kid Radio at 503-810-5MKR. That's
0: 503-810-5657. That voicemail line is what I'm going to ask you to use regarding our upcoming episode 500. It's happening in two weeks. I've already gotten some voicemails from people calling in, letting us know what they like about the show. Congratulations, that kind of thing. But what I'd really like to hear... I want to know what your favorite Monster Kid Radio moments have been over the past 500 episodes. Please feel free to call that in as a voicemail or send me an audio file and I'll play it during episode 500. Would love to get you involved in the show in that way. Really appreciate it. Our contact information is also over on our website at monsterkidradio.net, where you're going to find links to everything else that you heard about here on the show, including those Amazon affiliate links. So, if you want to pick up anything you've heard about here on the show, the Monster Go Home Blu ray, any of the Ultraman stuff that Mark's talking about or going to talk about, anything that we talk about here on the show, you can find it by clicking on those links and you help the show out that way. And of course, you can find a link to our Patreon page where you can help the show out that way as well. Also on our website, you'll find links to our Twitter page, our Facebook page, and our Facebook group. And a mention of what's coming up next week. And this time I do know what's happening next week. In episode 499, we are having a new podcaster. He just launched his show, Record All Monsters. Robert Kelly is going to be on the show. And the show topic, our top three kaiju films not featuring Godzilla or Gamera. I'm excited about this one. I've already got the cover art put together. I'm really pleased with how it turned out. I've listened to the first episode of Robert Kelly's podcast. It's really good. It brings a different perspective to, of all things, King Kong. Something that you think may have already been talked about enough. No. Robert brings another perspective, and I really enjoyed that as well. Plus, he played a little game with his co-host. Go check it out. I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes. So that's happening next week. And then, of course, after that is episode five. Until next week or episode 500 or whenever you listen to the show next, Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license, except for Monster's theme. That is copyright 2020, The Graveyard Rockers. You can find it on their album Gravest Hits over at graveyardrockers.bandcamp.com. Go check it out and let them know that you heard about them here on Monster Kid Radio. My name's Derek M. Cook. I'll talk to everybody next week. Ciao.